Welcome to the Marketing for Business podcast. This is your host, Scott Wilson. Hi guys, how are you going? Scott here. Hey, I've got something a little bit different today. Uh, I've actually got a podcast that I was uh, interviewed in uh, to share. Uh, Lee Stevens from the Time in Motion podcast interviewed me. Lee asked me some really good questions about how I got started, uh, my philosophies on marketing, and where uh, I see the future of marketing going with AI, etc. Plus, I really share some really good solid tips on, as a business owner, where you can win. I've actually entitled this uh, podcast episode, Digital Marketing, Where You Can Win. So make sure you have a really good listen all the way through this some really good tips at the end, um, solid tips that you'll be able to implement in your business. Hey, I look forward to having a conversation about this with you guys online. Uh, and if you have any feedback for me, please, uh, please in- engage with that. Uh, so once again, shout out to Lee uh, from the Time and Motion podcast for having me on. All right, enjoy. Scott Wilson. Good morning. Lee, how you going, mate? How Welcome. are you? Yeah, really good, man. Really good. It's great to be here. Looking forward to this. How you doing on this fine Christchurch morning? Mate, I just got back from Miami uh, where it was, I don't know what degrees, but this, uh, yeah, it's typical Christchurch, right? <laughs> Bit of a culture shock coming yeah, back yeah, from Miami. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So Digital Influence. Yeah. Before we uh, get into that, just tell us a bit about Digital Influence, what they do. Yeah, so we essentially are a media company. Uh, we buy a lot of media for for businesses, but we also create a lot of content. Uh, so a lot of video content. Uh, we run a lot of ads, uh, but more and more, I guess we're getting into that uh, short form video space. That's where we really excel, uh, and then understanding hey, what makes people you know buy online and engage with people. So cool. All right, okay. So before we get into that, let's just go back. So where did you grow up and what was early life like for you? Yeah, early life for me. So uh, I guess I'm a typical Kiwi kid. Um, I was really fortunate. We had a park across the road from us. Um, so we go, you know, straight out from dinner or whatever, straight across the road to the park. Uh, and I just used to play cricket. Cricket and play soccer, football. That was that was uh, my childhood. I, I, I just, I love playing sport. I love being outside um, and grew up in a sporting family. Um, my dad played cricket and um, yeah, that, that was me. I didn't really, didn't really like school too much. Um, I went there to eat my lunch and meet, meet friends. Uh, and that's probably, so that was probably about it really. Yep. Uh, uni? No, I didn't, didn't, uh, didn't get to uni. Uh, I didn't, uh, I guess schooling for me. Um, I got to sixth form, um, and yeah, I really just didn't, didn't see the vision of going to university. Um, wanted to actually travel. Uh, I don't know why, but I just always wanted to travel. So, um, yeah, didn't go to university. Um, did hospitality management though. Um, it was a, I did two years of a four year program and kind of decided that I liked the other side of the bar versus the <laughs> one side of the bar. And so, yeah, so, so, and also knew, saw in hospitality that, um, the big chains owned the, owned the hotels and stuff. And you were, unless you were going to own a hotel, you weren't really going to get anywhere. It was quite a structured management system and I didn't really, didn't really like that either. What did that? teacher those two years um i guess you learned a lot about um like and i I think i learned this from my nana actually um she was very social so um my mum and my dad mum was brought up on a farm dad was brought up um you know his mum was very social so they'd have elevenses you know so actually have the sales bell here in the office is my nana used to ring this bell uh when she wanted a drink and we as kids used to give her a drink and as the day went on we used to give her two finger paws three finger paws four finger paws but um that she taught me how to be really social and how to interact with people and how to engage with people and I think that was a natural progression going into hospitality I naturally um I guess uh am curious and will ask people questions and engage with them so I think that's one thing uh, hospitality taught me is to not be afraid of talking to people and talking to strangers uh, which I think is a really good skill um so that's probably the biggest thing hospitality taught me okay other early jobs uh look did the paper run did the milk run uh did uh collecting the money that was an interesting job so you'd go i'd, I'd go and deliver the paper uh to the people and then you'd go back around and collect the money um so that that was actually quite confronting because you, you know sometimes you had to, you'd knock on the doors and ask people for money and sometimes people didn't have the money and you'd have to go well hey i'm not been delivering the, the paper here you, you know um so that that was an interesting one um the milk run i really enjoyed it that's a kind of a kiwi um, back in the day, essential kind of job as a kid, really good for fitness because you were running all the time. Uh, one of the guys I worked for was quite innovative. He, We used to push trolleys and all of a sudden he designed a truck where you could stand on the side 
and run off from the side. So it was, it was a bit dangerous. You wouldn't get away with it these days. <laughs> but but um, but I guess you know that work work ethic grew up on um, my uncles and aunties and granddad's had farms. So I was always working. I'd always love going to the farm and working. I love doing a like I love doing the potatoes, peas, and stuff. Getting in there. Um, yeah, it's just I guess that's as a real real fortunate to have that. You know, I care if I got that work ethic today. I, I, I don't mind. I like working. It's kind of kind of good. Good to be part of, um, you know, getting rolling your sleeves up and getting stuff done. Okay, so you had a few, a few of the, the standard uh, early jobs. What was your first full time job? First full time job, um, probably I ended up working at Placemakers, uh, which is a big, big uh, uh, industry here. I was in that transition of going out of hospitality and wanting to go overseas, so I ended up working uh, and was it was in inwards goods and hospitality. So for the international listeners, just explain yeah. who Placemakers are. Yeah, so Placemakers Placemakers a big building uh, supply company. So they supply the timber, uh, they supply bathroom materials, they supply all the power tools and stuff like stuff yeah. like that. So really big company. Great. What I loved about that company. Though, was uh, is a uh, with Fletcher's, which is a big company in New Zealand. It was a 50 50 um, partnership with two entrepreneurs, remember Bob Sanford and, and, and his business partner. And they were great guys, they were really good people, people, people. Uh, and it didn't matter whether you worked at Inwards Goods, the outdoor center, or you were one of their reps, they treated you uh, the same. And I really saw that you could see, and that's why I like and you know, give us talk about leadership, no doubt. And here, I really like people that led from the front and were out there talking to people, talking to the Talking to and so that was my first full time job. It was a bit of a it was a bit of a um like a bit of a no brainer job. Like it was a bit boring. Yeah. Um, but we had a lot of fun. And I was only twenty yeah. at the time, so didn't know any different. Didn't really different. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So placemakers, and then you said you travelled. Yeah, travelled overseas. So went over, travelled overseas with uh, two of my best mates. Uh, we travelled the world. As soon as we got over there, we split up. Um, <laughs> met met uh, met uh, eight girls from Cambridge. Ten uh, uh, three other guys from the Waikato. Flattered with them and just had a ball for probably three and a half years. Um, did a whole array of jobs, but learnt a lot at the same time. Um, um, yeah, ended up being a painter, um, which was a crazy, crazy job. But um, you know, learnt a lot and and um, really, really enjoyed my time travelling overseas. It's just as a Kiwi, you don't know the world till you go and see the world, right? We we you know, as you know, we live so far away from where you grew up, uh, so we have to go over there and see the world. So that that was a yeah, great part of my, part of my life. Yeah, I think it's that Kiwi OE and that thing where a lot of people go and travel overseas. But I've talked about this before, but it's quite telling. You you can actually tell the people that have done that because mm. they come back with a different mindset and a different view on what big is. And yeah, uh, totally. Yeah, I, I, I can't quite put a finger on it, but it's definitely it's almost like you're doing a degree in kind of like yeah. the world because because yeah, totally. you, you can tell like the Kiwis I speak to that haven't yeah. done that. OE, yeah. you know, have got this got that. That little kind of edge missing, maybe I don't know. Yeah. Well, look, the, the the cool part about it is you meet people from all around the world, right? So, so you look. I was fortunate enough to be in some situations where I met the chairman of Ills Court Stadium. Um, I met a guy actually changed my life. Um, Sonny, he owned a building company, and uh, he gave me a chance with a friend of mine, um, and we made him a lot of money doing it on his building sites. And I remember one day he he said, "Boys, we're going to go to Mallorca." To my house in Spain, and and look, I've got a pool and stuff, but it's a wee bit, you know, it's a wee bit boring. We should go to the bookstore, and I was like, Ugh, great, because I, I don't really read books, right? And uh, I remember, I vividly remember being in this bookshop um, in the Kilburn Kilburn Road, and, and and he said to me, Scott, what's going on? What's wrong? I said, Well, I don't read. He goes, Why don't you read? And I said, oh, I hated reading at school. And he just said something to me that changed my life. He said, Scott, you're not at school now. You can read what you want yeah, to read. Yeah. And I was like, Wow. <laughs> that is amazing. Like I can read what I want want to read. Yeah. Uh, and I remember getting this book, and 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 it was like it changed my life, changed my life just like that because I started reading, and and yeah. So that that was a that was a big thing for me back in back in the day. So yeah, definitely came back with uh, more worldly. Um, yeah, some skills are probably probably not that useful, but uh, it was good. It was good fun. Okay. So you you had that job, and what was next after that? Yeah, I came. Um, I definitely like. I love traveling. I ended up in Sydney uh, doing a few jobs uh, and then the money ran out and I realized it was time to come home. Wasn't ready to come home, but time to time to come home. So I came home uh, at the time. I was quite good at cricket. So there was an opportunity to play a bit of cricket. Um, and uh, But at the same time, I needed a job. Um, so I end up uh, applying for a job at a place called Bond and Bond, which is kind of like a an appliance store selling TVs, that sort of stuff. Really... Um, 
and, and I interviewed for the job and I learned a really good lesson uh, and I didn't know it at the time, but it wasn't until two weeks later. Uh, I interviewed for the job and I kind of had this cricket thing going on, so I wasn't really that keen. And it must have come across in the interview because the guy said to me at the end, he goes, he, he rung me up. He said, oh, Scott, you didn't get the job. And um, I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then he didn't say anything else. Two weeks later, he rung me back and he said, um, are you still looking for a job? And I was like, yeah. He goes, cool, come and see me. I remember his name, Brandon, and he just sat me down. He said, Scott, the reason you didn't get the job is you came across like you didn't want it. And I was like, well, that's honest, because I've probably felt like I didn't really want it either, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you and know, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, and, but it was one of the best jobs I've ever, ever had. And, and look, if I had to do something again tomorrow, I'd go back there. Because it, it taught me a lot of stuff about humans, uh, connecting with humans, um, showing them how they can afford stuff, how they can buy stuff. And the technology was cool. Uh, computers first came out then. So it was really it was really good, but it was a great lesson to learn. And the lesson for me was, hey, if you want something, you go get it. Don't let anyone hold you back. If you want it, you've got to, you've got to be focused on and go get it. Um, because people can tell if you don't, right? And that was a, it was a big thing for me. So yeah, working there, um, met a lot of cool people. Um, but the, the the greatest thing was just the technology at the time. Like cell phones were new. <laughs> you know, this year all showing your age now. Yeah, <laughs> cell phones were new. Um, we we had computers first starting to come in, yeah. uh, and people were coming in wanting to buy these computers because they'd heard about these computers and they wanted to get, get them for their kids and stuff. And like, I think at its time they were like, it was like 128 meg. You know, and like more in our cameras than that now. Like right, but it, that was just it was so so new back in the day. Let's join the gaps, join the dots then. So you obviously you're doing that mm. and then to, through to digital influence. So what were the kind of key milestones or key steps from there yeah. to, to where you are today? I, uh, when I, I left uh, Bon and Bon because I thought I could sell iced Eskimo. Seriously, I got number, I was in, always in the top one or three in New Zealand. And then this job come up <laughs> and uh, I didn't know it at the time, but it was for selling plastic toothpicks. Um, and I and I always crack myself up, and I and I keep them today just to remind me that you never get ahead of yourself, right? Um, but I got this job, and because uh, I always wanted to come and be a, like a rep, get out on the road, and I saw this as the opportunity. And I remember going and and meeting the guy, and because I answered this ad, this ad was really well written. I was like, this sounds like a great job. And it was around the time of the America's Cup, and uh, I kind of got caught up in that because we were doing corporate hosting and all this sort of stuff, and thought I'd kind of, but plastic toothpicks. And, and it was, I, re, I learned another really good lesson. And this one I teach people all the time in my seminars is, is people buy what they want, not what you think they need. And um, I remember going, because upon a bond, it was real easy. People would come in the door. But for these selling these plastic toothpicks, and I, back in the day, I don't know if you remember matchboxes, and you could advertise on the front of, a, of matches. You know, when people like the matches, like the cigarette, you could actually advertise on the cover. So this was the same sort of play. You could advertise on the front cover of these match, that, uh, and there was four plastic toothpicks inside. And uh, so it was an advertising play, and, and he said, "Look, go around all the bars and you know pitch them this sort of stuff, right?" So I went round to the first bar, and I remember it was a bar in New Brighton, and I must have driven round the roundabout, I don't know, about thirty times, and I was just sweating because I had to go on cold call, and like, <laughs> that was the first time I ever cold yeah, call, yeah. and I was just I was I was bricking it, and uh, and he uh, I get onto this bar, and I was like, it was about eleven thirty, so the owner was there. And I said, oh, I've got something to show you, you know, blah, 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 and, you know, plastic toothpicks. And he had a look at it, and I said, oh, it's an advertising play. And I, and I was like, and he walks, kind of walks away, and he starts pouring a beer. And I was like, you beauty, we're going to have a beer. It's 11.30. He's obviously interested in this. This is a no-brainer for him, right? And then on the way back, I saw him grab a, a, a wooden toothpick. And um, he goes to me, see this, Sonny? And he held up the beer. People want this. See this, Sonny, and he held out the uh, the wooden toothpick. People need this. Never forget. People buy what they swore at me, what they want, and not what they need. Get out. And uh, next minute, I'm on my ass outside the door. But it was it was a big lesson. It was like, yeah, we were, I was trying to pitch something that I thought people needed, and people aren't buying what they need. You know, they're buying what they want. Yeah. And so that was um for me straight out the door. Um, uh, we were. I left that within two days and then started working for a big corporate here in New Zealand, uh, NGC, one of the biggest uh, corporates in there. Started at the bottom doing fires, selling gas fires, built way up to being the regional uh, manager looking after, I think it was about 20 um, uh, regional 
for the 45kg network and built up a whole bunch of resellers throughout New Zealand. So once again, this is a, a Kiwi thing, right? Yeah. So we don't get guests dug in holes in the ground here yeah. in New Zealand. We yeah. actually get our guests in big, big cylinders, yeah. which are like industrial size. Yeah. The ones that in the UK and America you probably have usually for your barbecues. Yeah. So we actually have to get those delivered, what, once every month? For once every month. Yeah. And, and it was an interesting time because I met entrepreneurs all around New Zealand. And actually that's where, once again, two guys changed, changed my direction. They... Um, it was real interesting because these guys were, these guys were um, all putting money into a pool, right? And I started to learn that the corporate way of marketing versus the business, small business or medium-sized business way of marketing was totally different. Corporates would spend money, like we'd spend two hundred fifty grand on a campaign in a weekend, measure none of it. And then these guys were spending, but paying to put money into that, and they were asking, "Hey, how's our campaigns performing?" And I'd go and ask marketing, and marketing would tell me to rack off, you know, the corporate marketing machine. And we're talking big company here, right? And I realized that these these guys had it right. Yeah, you know, these resellers had it right. One of them, one of the two of the guys had 10 garages. They they were extremely successful people. So I started asking them, hey, what are you doing differently? And I they they started to share some stuff with me. They were testing and measuring their marketing. They were running two ads, you know, they were and they were so for warrant of fitness, they were running two ads. They were testing different offers all of the time. And they they had business flowing in from their advertising. And it really made me realize that there was another way of doing things. Yeah. And it's interesting because um obviously shifting from services to product like I've done in the last mm. uh nine months or you know, six to nine months, it's a completely different mindset in terms yeah. of how you market and that yeah. validation. So one of the best books I've read recently is called The Mum Test. Mm. I don't know if you heard about that. And essentially that talks about not even talking about product, yeah. that's actually finding out what the problems are of your yeah. potential audience. Yeah. So validation. So it sounds yeah, yeah. like you were doing lots of validation those yeah. early, early yeah, years. Yeah, definitely. Because like naturally curious, probably like yourself, right? Naturally curious about, okay, because I wasn't going to be prepared to say, uh, you know, just because the corporate marketing team said you can't do this, I'm not going to take it. Like I'm, I can see that things are different yeah. in this world. So it's, I'd ask questions. I then figured out that they were out, outsourcing to an agency, right, the, right. The, the, the corporate team. Um, but it was really cool to meet those kind of people. And I really, I guess that was for me kind of, you, when you, once you start meeting business owners, you start to learn from them. And I was just soaking it up and learning from them, learning from them. And I started to learn about direct response copywriting. Um, failed English at school, <laughs> yep. but, but it didn't matter. Like I could write a sales letter and I could actually generate um, sales from it. So that really lit a fire under me and I, and I started to travel overseas uh, in 2005, went to the World Internet Summit, uh, which which was a great internet marketing um, seminar. Um, there was hardly any Kiwis there. There was all Australians. And I, re- I learned a lot from going and, and, and just being a student again. Um, and that's, I guess, you know, the, the, why I like, you know, like you like reading as well, right? Yeah. I love reading. I love um, learning stuff and then implementing, um, so so that was a that was a really cool part. And then I just realised, hey, I set myself a goal <clears throat> um, to basically replace my income, and I did it. And I was down in Wanaka on a job, and and I remember being down in Wanaka, and I remember going, this this place is really pissing me off. Wanaka, Wanaka was, you know, and and as a kid, I went there when I was uh, seventeen and loved the place. But I was down there on a job, and and it was starting to grate me. I'd get up at four on a Monday, drive down there, be there all week, and there was a lot of friction happening in this job. Um, and I just realised it wasn't it wasn't Wanaka, it was the job. So I drew a line in the sand, actually, and I know where it is down in Wanaka. And I stepped over it, and I called my boss, and I told him I quit. And uh, we were we become actually good mates um, over the years. And he he said, "No, nah, man, you can't, you can't." I said, "Mate, I've made up my mind. I'm leaving." He goes, "No, no, no, no. You don't understand. I'm leaving in two weeks." And he hadn't told anyone yet, so so he had actually had to stay a bit longer. Right. Um, but yeah, so so that was the corporate world done and dusted. Uh, went and started my own business. So 2005 would have looked. What was that? What coming up to 18 years? Is it? But, yeah, uh, 18 years ago. But that, yeah. that world would look a, a little bit different than it it does today. Mm. So. First, in, in products, we talk about your first 100 customers, yeah, yeah. but in services, first 10 customers. So yeah. how did you go about getting those? Yeah. I, um, once again, I guess really good at networking. Uh, met a couple of people. There was there was a property boom going at the time. Um, so I had a direct response copywriting business, um, and I met a couple of people in that property investment area. Uh, I got really good at helping them sell rooms and filling seminar rooms. Uh, so that, that for me, that snowboarded a lot. I got a lot of business out of that. Out of that, I got an opportunity to go and speak at an event in Melbourne. Uh, 
I don't know why they asked me, but I just say yes when anyone asks me. I just say yeah, yep. let's do it. Yes, yeah, and and I and I remember out of that, um, a guy come up to me and said, "Hey, do you want to be part of this book?" And I was like, "Yeah, tell me a bit more about it." And he was putting a book together. Uh, he actually put uh, like sixteen books together of all, but this one was marketing secrets exposed. I wrote a chapter in it. I was the only Kiwi in it with other uh, sixteen other um, authors from Australia. Uh, and then that kind of snowballed. Once I got in that book, I used it as credibility. Started running events, um, and then. Um, as we started running events, I realized that there was a real opportunity with the internet. So we started, um, I started in another company, uh, with Andreas Becker, we started on page one media, uh, which was our SEO and Google ads business. Uh, and we just grew that. We had a great guarantee. You didn't pay us till you, we got you on page one. Um, so everyone else was promising rankings, but we just said, Hey, you don't pay us until we get you there. Uh, and that just really, really, really grew. Uh, and that was kind of the, when the internet was starting to really take off. Um, so yeah, that, that's, I guess where, where that all came to. Um, so that, that was, that was the journey from then. So if we fast forward, you know, I'll put it on, you know, two X or three X from there to now, what's been some of the big trends obviously google and organic search yeah. which is you know essentially when you create your own copy and you yeah. own that content through to pay which you know if you now do a google search what well, 80 yeah. percent of the real estate's sponsored right yeah yeah so obviously a few changes there but any kind of when you kind of look back and reflect on those last you know 18 years in terms yeah. of what those big trends have been what, yeah. what would you say they've been Definitely like social media, massive, right? Like, uh, you know, you saw, you know, 2007, I think the first iPhone come out. And I remember doing, I remember doing seminars about, you know, and, and asking people who had a smartphone and no one would put their hand up. And then all of a sudden, you know, 2829, people start putting their hand up and, you know, the iPhone really changed the game. And I think, you know, that that's, that's when things started to change. People started to have media in their pocket and you could start to run ads really effectively um, because a lot of the times like media especially for the medium to, to, to small business, um, they were quite restricted on how they could advertise. You know, big companies had TV, radio, you know, magazines. Um, smaller um, players really had the yellow pages. And so, th so they, were, they were quite limited, right? So, so once that started coming along and it really opened up the, the opportunities for, for more Google ads, um, and, and that was a big thing as well. Google ads was quite a powerful way of advertising. Um, it was a really trackable way of advertising. So yes, things like that were 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 major influences, and then like now, it's just video video content is really the opportunity for a lot of people to be media. You know, it's never been. Yeah, it's interesting though. You you learnt your craft, and I suppose learnt learnt your ways doing demand generation. So yeah. like you say, in terms of that long form co con yeah. content. And so I was, I'm reading a book at the moment. It's called uh, Sell Like Crazy, which you've actually yeah. got there, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, he talks about this. Uh, uh, New Zealand, no, not New Zealand, uh, <clears throat> New York Herald, mm. 1912, something along those lines. Yeah. And it was a guy, right? It was basically long form content for a, yeah. a bank, but it was actually yeah. educational content. Mm. And yeah. apparently they got something like 5,000 responses yeah, yeah. from this. And the, the, the marketing guy at the time thought it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. But they were saying how like long form content hasn't really changed. Yeah. And so, so it's interesting how you probably, you, that's probably, you're probably quite passionate about that subject, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. Like I know uh, that guy, he has pulled apart. Frank Kern, uh, Ryan Dice, all the guys, and so so John Ogilvy, right? So he he was part of that whole that that um, long form um, uh, content. I think you know. Uh, the consumer is very, very smart these days, right? Like, uh, and I and I look, I, I, I take you back to Bond and Bond, right? So, um, we were selling TVs and 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 all that sort of VCRs and stuff, DVDs coming in. We were ahead of the consumer because we would read the manual and we'd we'd talk one on one with a rep, so we knew the selling points. You know, today you you go you can walk in there knowing more information than they do, right? And that's the power of the of of uh, the internet and stuff like today. People can educate themselves a lot faster so i think as a business you have to be prepared to to move your education and, and i say influence through education we actually now say influence through um, um insights you have to be prepared to give stuff away in order to grow that mind share um, with people and i think the more the more you can do that the better it is and, and it's quite confronting for a lot of business owners they don't actually want to give away stuff um but yeah. once they do once they realize it the game does change for them yeah. right because the reality is most people won't do it themselves anyway right? no no. So they're going to go. Who they're going to go to? The person yeah. that's been useful, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, definitely long form content um, still has a place. Like I always say, you know, like people, 
you're not the consumer, right? Like you don't buy from you. Um, so so just let the marketplace tell you. If the marketplace wants to read a long letter, give them a long letter. If they want to read a short paragraph, give them the short paragraph. Like yeah. that's, yeah. you know. Okay, so Scott, 2023, yeah. uh, July coming into August. Is there a kind of atypical set of clients that you look after? Is, you know, what's the common denominators in terms of the the people that you help? Yeah, the people that we help, it's really interesting. Like We've got a couple of niches that we work in. Obviously, we're good in hospitality. Uh, we actually just won an award for Kaiser Brew Garden, the best marketed establishment in New Zealand. Uh, they also won best bar, best overall, and um, emerging leader. But, but really, uh, we're up against big, big, competition with big budgets there. So we, we go well in hospitality. We've got a number of hospitality. We also go well in short-form video content. So anywhere with their short-form video content, we're actually just about to bring out a couple of new products for that because we really see the market and the opportunity for that. So we're doing a lot in the real estate industry for that. So once again, for anyone who's kind of listening to this that yeah. doesn't know what short-form is. Yeah, short-form video content. So the likes of your Instagram reels or your Facebook reels or your TikTok videos. The videos that interrupt you on Facebook, 30 seconds or less? 30 seconds or less. Uh, can be, some can be a wee bit longer, yeah. but educational, uh, a lot of insight. So we actually have a framework for how we teach that. We have a one theme, three core messages, and a 10-wheel. Uh, it's a great way to pull content out of people uh, and then getting them used to creating video content, actually making them relaxed and you know doing some whizzy stuff on the back end with the editing and stuff. So that really is is a is a growth area for us. Uh, and then like we've got a we've got a number of clients and we've kind of looked at our best clients over the years. Our best clients just have the best mindsets. Any, it's, you can really tell if a business owner has got the chops. You can just, it's their mindset. You can ask them a few questions and you can kind of tell whether they have it or not. Uh, especially, and I'm talking from a sales and marketing perspective, because sales and marketing is hard. Like sales and marketing is extremely, extremely hard. Uh, you have to be prepared to wait. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. You'd like it to happen overnight, yeah. but it's 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 hard, and you have to stay in the queue. You know, and we've dealt with clients now for for some of them, you know, eight nine years, um, and taking them and growing their market share. And and it's always interesting. People will come to me and oh, I want that guy's result. I'm like, cool, cool. You're going to stay around for seven years. Yeah. You know. Yeah. One one thing I thought was really interesting as well is like you know in, the, in when we've kind of done some work together is that the reality is you've got as a business owner you've got to be prepared to invest your time as well because yeah. I think a lot of people just think no nope, I'm paying the agency yeah done and dusted yeah. you go off and sell me yeah. some stuff right yeah it doesn't and without actually realizing you've got to put the effort in as well especially uh, you know especially from and and your your role might just be making sure your team buys in yeah you know and your you know and that sort of stuff it's so it does matter um yeah it's it's an interesting it's an interesting one i find it like quite rewarding when you do get it right though and you do get that right business owner that turns up with the mindset um and and does you know we have a partnership it's a partnership we work together so yeah it's it's a it's an interesting one. I do feel sorry for business owners though, because it is hard, right? Marketing is hard. It's it's kind of a, it's a confusing subject. And look, you can see all the books here that I've read on marketing and all the courses I've done, right? You gotta you gotta get your your brain in the in the in the right yep. space for it. Okay, so if we take a, an atypical client, and obviously hospitality mm. is, a, is a crossover in the work yeah, I yeah. do with Workforce Three. So when a hospitality client turns up, mm. typically. How big are they? Where are they? And what, yep. what's the top three or four kind of challenges they're coming to you with? Yeah, yeah. So obviously, bums on seats, right? They want more people in their restaurant. Uh, generally, we'll find out pretty quickly if they know their numbers. And if they know their numbers, we're a chance because because really, really, hospitality is about cash flow, right? And it's about understanding what it, what they're prepared to pay to get someone on that seat. Um, and then, and so so we we do talk a lot with them at the start about, hey, do you know your numbers? Because there's no point us. It was interesting. I was talking to a, a hospitality coach about this the other day. You no point us talking to your clients about marketing if they don't have their people and culture sorted, if they don't have their finances sorted, if they don't have their processes and systems sorted. Because we'll we'll blow them up, you know. We'll actually make it worse for them, right? So so we we actually pull away a wee bit, and make sure they have that we have that conversation with them. Hey, what's your people and culture like? Because because you no point having a great marketing system if you come in the door and no one talks to you, right? You go down to Kaiser, I guarantee you, like you you'll be greeted uh, like a rock star. You'll be looked after. You'll can constantly be asked how you how your meal's going. Uh, do you want another drink? There's a whole bunch of things going on inside that people. The DNA of the business. Yeah, exactly. So so we we will look at that first before we even go and look at marketing. Um sometimes we'll 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 you know, there's two players have come in and asked us this week. 
They don't know it, but we'll go to the restaurants first. Must be really hard doing that market research in yeah. bars and restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's the thing. You, you got to go and try the product, right? Um, but we'll go there first, right? Yeah. We'll go and see what's what it's like. They don't. They, you know, they don't. They don't, won't know who we are. Um, and even if they do, the staff won't. So, so we'll just just to check out that vibe, right? Because, um, you know, as I say, like it is hard. You've got to get the right people. Um, and if you if you're you got the right people, then you're a chance, right? So yeah. So bums on seats, number one. So we want more people coming through the door. They want more people. They want. They definitely want profile. You know, they want. They want. Um, they want to be known. They want to be seen on Google. Um, they definitely want. We have some pretty cool stuff that we do uh, with mobile technology and, and targeting tourists and targeting people having birthdays and that sort of stuff. Um, so they want to be innovative. They don't want to be seen to be doing what everyone else is doing. So we bring some stuff to the table that we know other other places aren't doing. Um, so that and and they want to keep up with trends. They really want to be out and I guess that's the thing that we bring to them as well is bring fresh ideas and the other cool thing is we'll work with their team you know most most restaurants and bars have young people around so my guys and girls are really good at at the technology and coming up with ideas but so are their people right and they just need some mm. so how do you go about getting those bums on seats you've talked about video you talked about content is there like a almost like a brand pack or like, is there a, like a set methodology you guys use to yep. kind of, that you kind of are consistent with those yep. and, so, and what, what does that look like? Yeah. So, so I'm a massive believer in consistency message plus frequency reach to create relevancy. So you've got to have a consistent message. What is it that at the end of the day you want to get known for, you know? So Winnie Bagers who down here, um, we were, they, they'd gone through some branding, uh, situations over the, you know, probably the last five years. They're a little bit confused. Uh, we started working with them. And I said, look, let's go and read all the reviews. We've got a, thousand reviews here who's it has anyone ever taken the time to read them no cool let's go and read them let's actually put it into some ai let's actually see what words come coming through so we found it was great pizza great people great venue so okay let's market that we've got great pizza we've got great people we've got a great venue um so all of a sudden we can have consistency of message we've actually got something to hang our hats on so that's that's really number one what are we what's the message that we want to get known for out there in the marketplace and then that frequency of reach okay what are we going to use to do that okay well what's our seo look like what's our search engine optimization when when people google us on their phone how do we show up you know so we've got to make sure all that sort of stuff is solid first uh, and then, okay, what is our social media? What does that look like? How often are we posting? What what platforms are we using? Where where are our clients engaging with us? Um, so so looking at all that, and then wrapping all that around analytics and going and seeing where the levers are being pulled. You know, like Kaiser, we know it costs on on one of the things that we have. It's a free pizza. Uh, so if you, if it's your birthday this month, you'll get. You live in Christchurch, you'll generally will see, a, and you're between a certain age group, you'll get a free pizza uh, come up, offer come up on your phone. If it's not your birthday, you don't see it. But if you see it, you interact with it. We know it costs $2.39 to get someone from that click into the restaurant. And we know on average they'll spend $62, you know, and that's, that's you yeah, know, that's yeah. the difference between yeah. good marketing and bad marketing. And it's quite interesting to say that that book I'm, I'm reading at the moment, they talk about people moaning about the cost of Google, the cost of SEO, cost of Facebook ads, but what they don't really measure is the, the return on investment, right? So if, yes, it may cost you five bucks per click, but if if on average you're getting, you know, 10x that or, you know, 20x that, then it's worth every penny. It, and it's really interesting talking to, you know, talking to business owners that are new to understanding the numbers. So I'll push the boundaries a wee bit um, because we have clients spending $38 a click. You know, and and but the numbers are there, and it, that'll sound really expensive, right? The funny thing is, I got my mind blown away uh, last week in Miami talking to uh, a guy who looks after lawyers. Uh, he says it's drive time right now. Okay, so one of his lawyers, if someone has an accident, you want he wants the call, right? Uh, it's fifteen hundred dollars a click on Google. You know, okay. and 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 I was talking to 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 Josh about this, and he was yeah, like this is this is what it is, and he'll pay that all day long. Because he knows what one deals with, yeah. you know, he, he they've run the numbers, so they'll spend the money. Where someone else will look at that and go, "Whoa, I'm not doing that. That's just ridiculous." But so it's just being un, being comfortable and understanding the numbers. Numbers give you power when it comes to marketing your business too, right? Because if you understand those numbers, you'll because end of the day, good good advertising and marketing is about multiplying and leveraging assets. You know, what are the assets that you're leveraging, right? So so yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting thing. So you know. Um, I'd say for, for most restaurants though, get good at your people and culture, get good at your processes and systems first, get good at your finances, then start your marketing. It's interesting because you're having dealt with some of those bigger 
bigger chains, I, I, I guess, they get that, right? Yeah. And that's the difference between going from maybe one site to, yeah. say, 50. Yeah, yeah. And you, they, they know that it's – and I always remember reading a book about one of the early coffee shops. I think mm. it was uh, one of the coffee shops in the UK. Yeah. And they said, essentially, what you do is you get your DNA right in that first yeah. site, get the people, the yeah. culture, the systems, the processes, mm. and then you copy good DNA. So yeah. if you don't get that stuff right, yeah. you're just copying bad DNA, right? Bad and, DNA. And so you don't scale. And don't market bad DNA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so you mentioned um, – some of the, the Facebook stuff. But what what's some of the other things you look at? So say if we took your your mid size hospitality business, I'm guessing looking at their website would be yeah. an early early call. Yeah. Looking well, at their so, Facebook accounts, so, what are the other things? So really, uh, mobile first. So we look at mobile first. Like, okay. So okay, what's the mobile experience like? Because let's be honest, everyone's on their mobile, right? So m no point optimizing for desktop, right? Like make it okay, make your desktop look good, but really optimize for that mobile experience. So we'll look at that first because everything we're going to run is going to be driven to that mobile right from the hey what is that first experience like to how easy it is to book how easy it is to call you know you, you only have to go to uh, people's websites and if you can't push that button you know my wife we were down Dunedin the other day and she was she was like, this button doesn't work you yeah. know and it's frustrating and, yeah my wife does the same she thinks hitting the button harder is going to make it yeah. work so they must have gone <laughs> to the same the same same school um but but that's the thing right so what's your mobile experience like spend some time actually looking at that mobile experience what well, one thing i love to do with our clients is is actually sit down with them and and do it with them make them feel actually a wee bit awkward and i learned this from back in when we had on page one i remember working with a, young, a gentleman john is in his i think would have been his late 60s early 70s and he owned uh on Kashmir, beautiful man. Um, but he treated his online stores as 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 valuable as his offline shops, right? And he wanted them to work as hard as they could. And I remember sitting with him one day and said, "John, have you ever bought anything from your from your websites?" And he goes, "No." I said, "Cool, give me your credit card." And we sat there and we had it up on the screen. And it was he realized how hard it was to buy from himself. So I like to sit there with people and show them, "Hey, this is what your customers experience. Here's here's how we could probably make this better uh, and make it more seamless for people." So that's a that's a great place to start. Is definitely definitely um, you know, and also so so make sure that's working hard for you. But then go and look at your. Click on your social media profiles. I clicked on one yesterday. This this actually company reached out wanting us to do some work with them. It goes to an invalid page. You know, it's all those little things that you just you, you need to be constantly looking at. Um, okay. Um, what are the top three mistakes that these businesses are making? Top three mistakes: uh, trying to do it themselves. It's a real big one. Like uh, I've 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 seen this time and time again. Uh, when they when when business owners try and do it themselves, they're trying to like be it, be a wee bit cheap, you know. Don't want to don't want to pay the experts or or and I think that's a you can go down a rabbit hole where you just can't you, you the, the, it just moves too fast these days, right? Like I employ people, we've got probably I kind of see my team as is like a you know you. I bring my team to the game. You know, it's like you you have a coaching um, when you when you when you coach a team, you bring your player, your your coaching group to that team. If you create a film like Jury um, and, and some of those big film producers, they bring their team to that film, right? And once the film's over, they take the team away. Um, you know, I'm bringing a team of nine uh, here in New Zealand and backed by a team in the Philippines to that game. Um, so you you think you can hire someone who can do SEO, AdWords, Facebook ads, TikTok, videos, editing, uh, copywriting, social media, uh, websites. You can find that one human that can do that. Well, I'll pay you for that, you know. Yeah. And I ain't found them, right? Yeah. So so I think that's the that's the thing that, you know, it's become a wee bit hard to do that. So so that's the thing. Number two would be just not knowing your numbers. Uh, it really is not knowing not knowing uh, what it, what you're prepared to pay to get a client or a customer in the door, uh, what that client's worth worth to you. Average spend, that kind yeah, of stuff? yeah. Average spend, lifetime value. Really understanding that you know, like to to know that you you'd run you'd spend two dollars sixty every day to get sixty two dollars in the door, wouldn't you? Yeah, like that's a no brainer. Yep. If I said that to you, boom, you'd you'd run that. But if, unless you've worked that out, you wouldn't run that. You know, so you gotta you gotta get comfortable understanding those numbers from a marketing perspective. And then two, uh, number three is just really understand your market consistency and message frequency of reach, create relevancy. Your job is your job is to become relevant, but your job there is to do the first two things. You know, because because people will decide when you're relevant. You know, and and I think that's the that's the thing that people miss. You know, they 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 might have one message, but then they're never frequent with it, right? So no one gets to know that that 
who they are. Um, and you just have to you have to have consistency of message, your frequency of reach, relevancy, and over time, over time, over time, and then people start to know who you are. You know, and and I always say it's really interesting. There's quality people and there's quantity people. You know, some people have to see one video, one ad, one whatever, one testimonial, and they are in. But then there's other people that have to see 10, 12, maybe years before they are in. So so your job is to be consistent with that. And that's that is the hard part for for a lot of people. How do those kind of businesses deal with I'm not, I'm gonna be polite here, but we all know those businesses every now and whether it's a chef, whether it's a staff, or whether they have a little bit of a bad phase in yeah. their existence where we all do. you know, and, and I can think of excuse me, one or two examples yeah. up the road where you've gone in You've had, you've had a bang average meal and you're like, mm. oh, I won't go back there again. Yeah. But obviously then you go back a year's time and you go, oh, this was amazing. Yeah, it was yeah. great value for money. The yeah. portion size was yeah. good and service was great. Yeah. And obviously the managers have changed the people. I guess it's probably people a lot of yeah, the time. But totally. how, from a marketing sense, how do you have, because I'm guessing a lot in hospital, that must be quite common. Yeah. You, I don't, it probably might even be a name for it, I'm guessing. Yeah. But you know, how do you get over those bad phases? Yeah, I, I think you're, you're right what you just said though. It's about the people. And I always believe, and I've known this for, for, for working in the corporate space, leadership is around when when the when it's rotten at the top, it's rotten at the bottom, right? And so you will have that in environments where where, but you can go through um, periods of time where you you know. And, and look, we've seen this with restaurants, right? And, and had clients in um, this week uh, where it's been hard, like COVID's been hard. Uh, then hiring staff's been hard, so we had staff shortages. So you know they've got a few bad reviews with staff shortages and stuff. And it's like, okay, cool. We've got that back now. Okay, so we're going to take every opportunity to to get those reviews. You know, get those. Yep, we've, we're going to reply to those bad reviews, and we're going to take ownership because hey, we've had staff shortages. We've you know, but we know we're a good business. So now, when we get the good reviews, we're going to get more of them. We're going to get more of them. We're going to get more of them. So because you can't control, you can only control what you can control, right? You can't control the fact that the government. You know, it was really interesting. Like so, the government made uh, anyone who was a migrant worker, if the New Zealand person didn't want the job, and you were going to pay the New Zealand dollar thirty dollars an hour, you had to pay the migrant worker thirty five, even though the New Zealand person didn't want the job, right? So that puts a massive stress on a business trying to run a want to run a business, but also have people come and and work in it, right? So, so there's a lot of issues in that hospitality space that that you don't see going to a restaurant. Yeah, so, so supply costs as well, right? Oh, another one. So costs. yeah, so so yeah, you know, it's been it's it's been hard on 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 those types of businesses. So yeah, to, to your question, you know, I think a good business owner. Um, you know, people are pretty reasonable, right? People, I think people are generally generally pretty reasonable when it comes to this sort of stuff. And if they see a business owner trying and turning it around, um, you know, they'll get back in there and support them. Yeah. Okay. Um. What are some of the big trends you're seeing? Big trends, uh, definitely AI is, a, is is on everyone's lips. So we don't need marketing consultants anymore. No, ChatGPT. No, right? we've got ChatGPT. <laughs> it's interesting. We've been we've like we've we've created a um, we've been using AI in different different ways for 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 a couple of years. But but recently, since off the whole, you know, everyone exploded in, in December and January about um, ChatGPT and AI. I challenged my team. We, we've got a project here. It's called Operation Puck. Um, and we're basically looking at where where the technology is going, not where it's been. And for, so for every hour that we save, uh, that the team can show and document and do a t- two minute presentation, we'll put five hundred dollars into a into a bonus fund. And it's been really interesting to see the different types of AI technology now that's out there that these what I call them young kids are looking at and going, hey, we could use this and save. You know, <clears throat> classic one for us is we go out on a photo shoot and we might shoot three hundred photos. Normally, we'd go back and have to weed through all those photos to get the big, the, the best ones. Now we use a piece of software called Aftershoot. Uh, it's an AI piece, of, and, and it and it basically goes through those videos, uh, through, through those um, photos, looks at them for us, and um, and basically tells us here's the top twenty. But so, so there's no red eye, no 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 one blinking, no one yeah. looking the wrong way. And we don't have to, we yeah. don't have to look at that, and yeah. it grades it. And then the cool thing about it, it starts to learn how we like yep. stuff. On we can put a client's job in there. This is how our client, that client likes it. Next client, this is how they like yep. it. So, and I, and I think for me, like you look at the some of those AI tools, like they're 
they're tools at the end of the day, right? And if they can save you time and, and they're doing the labour and the grunt work yeah. that you probably wouldn't, you know, wasn't very rewarding. And totally. You've still got to be creative. You've still got to come up with the ideas. You've still got to, you know, but essentially we can save you time. Yeah, you're fully right. Yeah. So so chat GBT, after shoot for photos. Yeah, after shoot what for photos. What are some of those other cool ones you're using? We're, we're using Munch at the moment, Munch app. So Munch, will, what, what that'll do is really, really interesting. Another piece of crazy bit of software. One of my team come to me and said, hey, have, we, have you seen this? I was like, no. So what it'll allow you to do is you shoot a video. Uh, I did a test with a 16-minute video, uh, just me talking to the video, uh, to the camera, uh, put it into Munch, and it will basically take your video, and the AI will look at all the different parts of that video and split it up into how how many any many segments you want it. So, if you're doing like a, a guide or something like that, you'd so, say step one, step two, that kind. Of. So it'll it'll and it'll do it for uh, YouTube, it'll do it for LinkedIn, it'll give you different videos for TikTok, all that sort of stuff, based on what you want. So the first time we did it. Um, Man, it sucked. Like it was just <laughs> rubbish, right? Yeah. And uh, so I actually wrote to them because I thought, no, nah, these, these, th like I, with AI, one thing I realized is over the years, you know, crap in, crap out. But one thing I also realized with AI, it gets better fast, you know, and that's the thing I've really noticed. So, so I wrote yeah. to these so guys. So ChatGBT frees yeah. to four. Sorry, yeah. 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 And, but that's the thing, right? It gets better. So I was like, okay, this, I'm going to reach out to these guys because I think that this is good software. So I wrote to them and just like email and email me back and say, oh, thanks for the feedback. By the way, yeah, we're releasing another version uh, and it's going to be better. So can just give us a couple of weeks. So I gave them a couple of weeks and then in two weeks time did the same experiment and it was amazing. And the and the video the they they have a really interesting they put low coherency or high coherency and based off what the AI thinks of the the output that it's given you, um, so sixteen minute video got eight videos of high coherency and they were really really good and and that just showed to me because I'd actually and I've actually got this documented I'd actually run a job on Upwork uh, the month before and it had cost me three hundred and fifty New Zealand dollars to get the same video edited. But the worst part about it is I had to go back and forward with the editor yeah. about he'd mucked up the time states. And so it probably cost me another 10 hours. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this technology is replacing that dude. You know, and look, I, I want to employ more people using technology, saving my time here. I could actually employ better People to I think the website stuff will be interesting actually as well. Yeah. I know I know they're saying that eventually that'll be like that. But you know, I had the same experience with uh on Upwork. So I went to these so-called experts and yeah. said, look, I just need these five pages, you know, you the experts designed yeah. for this particular platform. And it probably took me 10, 15 hours to yeah. kind of correct the work. Correct and, the work. And so yeah. but yeah. Yeah, I think if once those um once those AI tools get where, where do you see it in your industry, like on what you're doing? Where do, where do you see AI, AI landing? Yeah, so I think it's interesting around uh, certainly in the HR space, mm. you know, so where there's opportunities there are uh, taking some of those transactions away that maybe managers probably shouldn't be doing. So I know it's really contentious, but uh, performance conversations, yeah. right? So yes, you still be having those check ins, mm. but when you're uh, You've got maybe AI or someone checking in, like, hey, how are you doing? How's Scott? You know, how's your day been? You know, anything, how are you checking in with your goals? Yeah. And to be fair, most people don't, probably don't really care whether that's a robot or whether no, it's no, a manager, no, no. right? But they know someone's asking those questions. Mm. They go, okay, well, why don't we get something in the diary if you do this training? So mm. I definitely think around some conversations and poor form mm. conversations. I think just it sounds silly because uh, I've, I've used this quite a hundred times, but one of the guys I speak to says, everyone's talking about artificial intelligence. So I'm dealing with real life stupidity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so, <laughs> I think the bar that people are coming from is quite so. Even something like having a, a, a HR Harriet, which is like a little chatbot yeah. we're working on, where so you ask Harriet, oh, hi Harriet, how much leave have I got? Yeah, Harriet yeah. goes, yeah, you've got fifteen days. Perfect. Or um, you know, I need to take next Wednesday off. They go, oh, yeah. we need to fill in this form. Yeah. So I think those kind of things um, definitely. And yeah, I think that if you just look at that though, right? So so how many people, how many managers would get interrupted with those questions? Oh, it's death by a thousand cuts. They don't need to be yeah. right. So and that's the cool thing about AI. I really believe AI I you know, said this um, I did a workshop with my clients um, we did a lunch and learn and I really believe it's AI uh, and, and HI human intelligence aims, creates the super intelligence right so if you can get your brain together with the AI and say hey Mr. AI Mrs. AI I want to do that how can I do that and the AI helps you do that and you mm -hmm. save time 
You know, that, that is the game changer because no one wants to be interrupted with those questions. You don't need to be interrupted with those questions. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so I think the data is the key to it. All. But uh, interesting, I, I took the, the boy to see uh, Mission Impossible at the weekend yep, yep. and the supervillain is AI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, look, and, and here's the interesting thing. Like going to the States, one of the reasons I went to the States is I wanted to talk to agencies and what they're doing with AI. And, and it turns out we're, we, you know, we're kind of on the same path and doing a number of stuff. But I also started to talk to them about, hey, what are, you, what are the conversations you're seeing around – you know, because people, I find people are seeing it either one or two ways. They, they, they don't like AI, AI is dangerous, and they're not open to seeing what's really going on, or they're the other way and AI is going to be the next best thing. I think you have to have a balance there, right? And I think that's the interesting part when you start to see, because mainstream media will villainize it, right? They want to, they, they want to see that you're afraid of what's going on. Um, we're... And there are some dodgy things going on. Let's not, when, but there's yeah. dodgy things going on everywhere, of right? Always will so, be. so I think that's the, that you've got to have that balance. And, but I think at the end of the day, you've got to start having those conversations. I think is if you're an owner in business, you must start having conversations with your team about AI uh, and and how the, how they're using it and how you could save some time. It's interesting. So I follow a lot of the startup community, and over in the states, apparently there's not one business that's going for VC funding that hasn't got an AI component in it. Yeah. So it, yeah. that's just the way the world, yeah. right? Well, they're not going to look at you otherwise, no, exactly. are they? Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned you've been over to Miami. What was that all about? Uh, so I'm a part of an agency group, a worldwide agency group that uh, gets together uh, and basically shares what's working, what's going on, what's happening. Um, we have speakers internally. So you've got um, people from doing, you know, 10 grand a month as an agency to $8 million a month as an agency. Um, so there's all those in between. And so they kind of, it's run um, by a couple and yeah, they just bring good people together. So talking AI, actually talking podcasts, we were talking um, um, how to use AI to be more productive in creating playbooks inside the business. Um, heaps of really cool conversations uh, going on and just really um, meeting with your, I guess, you know, fellow agency owners. Uh, which is which is really good to do. What were some of the big takeaways? Because I, I always find that your mind gets blown when you go over to overseas, especially to some conferences. Yeah, and you come back absolutely buzzing and flying. You yeah, know, like oh yeah, we can really do this, and it's yeah. a huge opportunity here in yeah. New Zealand. So, what were some of those kind of top two or three takeaways you came back with? I knew I kind of knew because I met a guy in two nineteen up in San Diego. Ended up staying with a house with him. Went to a, uh, a conference called Traffic Conversion, and I kind of I wanted to see how his his business has exploded, and he was using short form video content to do that so that that was a, a good grounder for me that, that that we're on the right path there um so so you know that i guess that was just for me uh validation that we're doing the right thing but i wanted to see and ask him a couple of questions around uh, a couple of different models so that was great and then another one was around uh, a couple of guys had sold their business to um you know a big big equity firm basically and and they laid out how they did it and that was really really interesting hearing um you know the potential of what these some of these big companies are looking for to buy and, and what you need to have you know your ducks in a row to 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 have in a row so that that was that was really good for me because obviously you know you you don't hear all those stories all the time here uh and but to hear two guys stand up and talk about that and then lay it all out in the line was really really cool then they also have this other thing which is Fantastic! Uh, they have a ninja sword, uh, and it's ninja hacks. So you get the you get uh, ten minutes, um, and you have the best of the best get up there and show you what they're doing from a Google Ads perspective, from a Facebook Ads perspective, from a videos perspective, from a how they're doing JVs, and it was freaking awesome to see how some of these like I call them young kids, but also these people are create generating revenue just doing things differently and they lay it on the line and then then because you're in the group you get access to everything that they've just taught you. I uh, use that example the prime I don't know about the prime drink so yeah I went back to the UK for my grandfather's funeral back in May and the kids are oh bring me some prime bring me some prime and essentially it's just Gatorade or yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. one of these like, yeah. energy drinks but the influences at KSI and and, oh. and those guys but <laughs> they've obviously tapped into all the tools all the techniques yeah. to, to essentially yeah. create a brand right yeah and and it's interesting to see how brands are being created now too, right? And how quickly some of those brands are being created. Um, and I think that's one of the key things though is obviously have a good product, you know, like don't cut 
corners on your product, right? Because you get found out. Um, but build a community. And that's what I see those guys have really done. They've built communities um, and girls have done really well as well, you know? And, and sometimes um, you, you, you might think, oh, they've created it out of nowhere, but some of these people have been working on it for seven or eight years, you know? Uh, and then all of a sudden they've just found the right media that to use to get in front of this, this audience. Do you find that the businesses that you work with have a lack of fit? Because I'm guessing you know, a lot of times they have budgets and they put their, you know, their, mm. their forecast together. But like, like in the IT world, for example, it's mm. always 10x, right? Yep. So you spend 10% of your revenue yep. Yep. on marketing and yeah, sales. Yeah. So do you have find that other industries have similar metrics? Yep, they do. Um, and also, but, but it's interesting right now how that's changing, you know? So, so right now, obviously, recession some of our best clients will spend more money. Yeah. They just know, they know from experience, they know from being in the business and going through the tough times, they know that people are hurting right now, other business owners will be hurting, so they'll take their market share because they'll pull back. So they'll spend more exponentially. You know, some clients are doubling their marketing budget just because they know they'll take market share. And it sounds counter to when you think about it, but they don't listen they don't listen to the news media they they know from experience so so that but yeah you're right like the people will spend x amount of on, on revenue and that sort of stuff so okay so if you're listening to this as a as a business owner or maybe a, a manager in a, maybe a mid-sized business what's some of the things that are coming their way or some of the things you need to be thinking about you know 2023 2024 as you say a recession you know from a marketing perspective if you could give them three bits of, yep. of information that they need to walk away and, and speak to their bosses about what would that be yeah i would i would definitely get around i, I would look we have a thing where can you win okay i'll get really serious about where you can win okay from a strategic perspective look at look at okay what are the assets that we have that are that are that are good you know what's our website look, look like what's our mobile look like what's our database look like uh, what are the offers that we have out there in the marketplace so start to get start to look at all that um, and it's really interesting you might have some things there that you are not using so the other day we did a where you can win strategy session with a, with a company they've been doing podcasting um, and they had some of the best industry people on their podcast but hadn't promoted it you know and they hadn't um, told the story and they top telling that story those were assets that they could actually leverage and I said it doesn't matter that they were filmed two years ago that it's, it's irrelevant it's good content okay so so look at look at what you've got because because there'll be things in there that you'll be able to reuse and use okay so where can you win and look at also take a look at your competitors you know one of the best things you can start to do and this takes no money whatsoever is go and start reading the reviews of your clients um, or, or, or your competitor sorry your competitors go and start reading the reviews of your competitors go and start listening to 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 the testimonials or video testimonials they've got on their page or the or the or, or the um, written testimonials go and find out if they've got some bad reviews what are they saying really because and this is market intelligence Right, you can do this right now to sharpen your yeah. sword, and it costs you no money. And and the sad part about it is because it costs you no money, most people won't go and do it. But I can tell you right now from experience, you start to learn things, and and we've seen it with our clients. You start to oh, we should create that product. I did it. Yeah. So for Workforce Three, so yeah. there was a couple of big global players out there, and the one thing that the people on the reviews were moaning about was number one, the onboarding mm. process yeah. was awful, right? Yeah. So we can't do e-signatures, we can't add our own documents. Yeah. So I was like, great, that's two features going Boom. straight into Workforce Three. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and 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 that, well, how much did that cost you? Oh, an hour of my time. An hour of your time, right? And you learn so much, and I think this is the, you know, so if if. You've got to be resourceful right now. You've got to be resourceful. So that's something you could definitely, definitely go and do. Um, I guess then look at, then look at, okay, where do you want, to, where do I want to go? You know, because if you don't have a plan, you know, you're in trouble, right? So where do you actually want to be? Like, okay, you, where are you now? So you're looking at where you win. Where do you actually want to be? Um, and also, I, I look at it. So okay, what do you want to be known for? Okay, you're a business, and you're, you're. What is it? If if I say the word soft drink, you think Coca-Cola. Yeah. If I say fast food. McDonald's. Yeah, and if I say heat pumps in Christchurch, <laughs> you've done his fuck. You know, I still can't tell you. You know, and and so so as a business, what is it that you want to be known for? Like, just think about that and and really get clear on that. So, essentially, because pizza and Winnebago's now go together, right? Yeah. You know, especially in Christchurch, so I would say that that's probably the case. Yeah, and, and, and we want to make the same for Kaiser, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Best bar. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't been to Kaiser, please go there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so so that and once again, the two things don't cost you any money. Yeah, uh, and then and then really just and I said this before but like get clear on your on your numbers because once you know your numbers you can multiply like good advertising as i said before multiplying capital leveraging those assets you know uh and that once again 
Um, and then the, the fourth thing I'd add to that is go and try some stuff. You know, really have a crack. Like it costs you nothing to put a video up. Other than your time, right? Yeah, other yeah, than your yeah. time. Go and put a video up. Go and start doing some stuff. If you if you and, and start start actually having and dipping a toe into the game. That's what I love about what I do is like I'm not just telling you to go and do this. You can go and see what I'm doing. I'm doing this today. You know, we're going to have videos going out today. We've got content going out today. Um, and, and this is the world we live in now. If you've told me 10 years ago, I could create a video in the morning and while I'm at the gym doing my treadmill and stuff, putting it out on the on on LinkedIn and have it creating conversations in the afternoon, you know, for free. Mm. It's interesting. I think the brevity is definitely increasing still though, right? So, you know, what was 20 minute videos have come down to two minutes, which yeah. have come down to 30 seconds, right? And so I think, and I think people's attention spans are diminishing. So, so, so yeah. So, so I think the absolute, that, that, uh, that content we can create on the fly, definitely. But I think it's, it's noisy as well. I think. Yeah. Like, insights. Yeah. What insights have you got? Let's be the key, key there. Yeah. Okay. So one last question on, in terms of marketing, what would you say is, what would you say is the tool or medium or channel that gives you the most bang for buck in 2023? It's bang for buck. It's a, it's an interesting question. And, and I'd love to give you a straight answer as far as one thing, but it really depends on your target market. But if you're, if you're targeting people between the age of 40 and 60 right now, Facebook is where you should be advertising. Facebook reels, Facebook video, video views, massive believer, massive a fan of video views. So you can put a video on Instagram and Facebook, set it as video views. When anyone watches that video, based off the, the amount of that video they watched, it's called consumption-based tagging, you can put them in an audience. You can then show them, if they've watched, say, 100% of that video, you can sh show them another video. And then you can show them another video. So all of a sudden, you can take people from not knowing you to know, liking, and trusting you really, really fast using that platform. Um, when I first started uh, Digital Influence, we we started as a Facebook ads only, right? We were way too early. You know, I wish we'd started it now yeah. and my target audience was 40 to 60-year-olds because they are there on Facebook now. Um, everyone else has kind of left. So if you're looking to target younger, you need to be on Instagram, you need to be on TikTok, you know, Snapchat, those sort of stuff. But if I, if, if I had a product and my decision makers were 40 to 60-year-old, yep. I'll be on Facebook all day long. Yep. It's interesting because my ideal customer profile is in that age age yep. group. Yep. And uh, my sister-in-law happens to fall into it. So we yep. was away with her <clears> over <throat> in Noosa uh, a couple of weeks ago. So I was talking to her. I said, uh, yeah, so, so do you... Uh, did you go onto Facebook? Oh yeah, yeah, all the time, every yeah. day. Like, yeah. How often do you post? Oh, never. I won't yeah. post. Yeah. So, and that's the cool part about boyers, it, right? right? Boyers, like, yeah. and 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 also, you know, so that is the opportunity, right? Yeah. They're not going to post, but they're they're there. They're on it, and and they're consuming it. Look, you sit on two sides, and I think business owners really need to understand this. When when you look at social media. Look, social media doesn't care. And look, you can have an opinion on social media, whether it's bad or good or whatever for for society or whatever. But trust me, if you're a business owner, you need to sit on one side, and that's the producer side, right? You need to be producing content, and you need to be advertising on that platform. It is just like uh, the TV station. It is media. So if you sit on the consumer side, like your your sister and is a sister -in -law, sister -in -law, she sits on the consumer side completely different side than than the producer side right business owners you must sit on the producer side because that's where you can generate sales and generate revenue and your next customer is there because they're on there they're on their mobile phone and they're there in droves and they're there wanting to be one entertained and two they want to buy stuff it's, it's incredible what they yeah. they want to do so um for that for that for that target market you just hit yeah. it hard yeah, because you can hear that quite a lot. You know, Google prices have gone up and, uh, you know, other channels, et cetera. And obviously TikTok's probably for the younger generation yeah. and, and whatnot. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, Facebook. And I always say, right, where do your audiences hang out and congregate, right? Yeah. And Facebook's probably one. And, and that's and that's the, I guess that's the key to it, right? Where is your audience? You you know, if your audience is, if your audience is somewhere else, then be somewhere else, yeah. right? Like don't, like it's, it's because, you know, I remember starting the, the agency and we were just, everyone's going, hey, Facebook's for kids. And I was like, oh, yeah, but... We were trying to make it work, right? Yeah. And then as it started to turn. I think building that ideal customer profile for me, like of all the things we're learning, you know, and we, we worked together and you've know, done it before and continue to do it after. But when you're laser focused on that person, and it's not personas, but it's loosely personas what it used to be. But when you laser focus on the problems that person's yeah. got, yeah. you know, it, it makes your life 20 yeah. times easier, right? And, and the solutions you provide, Correct, right? Yeah. Because here's the thing, people don't think solution problem. They think, 
problem solution, yeah. right? Yeah. So if you can market to them yeah. and understand their problems better than them, yeah. then then you become that person yeah. of authority. And talk to them as well, right? Yeah. Because uh, interesting, yeah. in early workforce days when I was doing validation, I was convinced that the problem was managing the workforce. Yeah. It wasn't. It was no. actually the compliance and the legal side of it. Wow. That's like, we can, you should call this cover my ass because yeah, yeah. Actually, <laughs> actually you're making us compliant, right? Yeah. So, and, and so isn't that interesting, right? You don't find that out till you start having real conversations. I'm talking to a friend about that this morning. I said, mate, just go and start talking to people. Find like you, you're trying to make up. You're trying to actually think this is what you think it is. Yeah. Go and talk to them. Yeah, and what I would say, and certainly in Christchurch and New Zealand as well, mm. um, it's a lot easier to do that. You know, yeah. in, like in London, like I was saying yeah. this the other day, like if you they try and speak to fifty people, I'm like piss off, mate. I'm busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. it's like over here. Oh yeah, come on, I'll have a chat yeah. here. And yeah, and I, I think also like if you can frame it, you know, like people love to give their opinions. They do, yeah. You know, so it's, yeah. you know, can you give yeah. some feedback? Yeah. You know, I'm you're the expert. Yeah, I'm struggling <laughs> with this a little bit. Could you, you know? Oh, okay, yeah, cool. I'll give you some time. So it's um, yeah. The people are interesting like that, though. Yeah, they are. Well, okay, Scott, I'm going to uh, just start wrapping things up. I'm going to ask you one question that I ask all the guests on the show. Mm. And is if you could go back and give 21-year-old Scott some yeah. advice, what would that be? I saw this question. I thought it was really interesting. One, I'd travel more. Yeah, I'd definitely, I'd definitely travel more. Uh, I would have traveled throughout the States a lot more. Um, I would have learned to sell a lot earlier. I think that's a really key key skill. Um, but the big one was like if I was – and I tell my son this, don't worry about what other people think of you. I think we spend too much time worrying about what other people think of us at that young age. You know, it causes – probably it's causing a whole bunch of anxiety for, for, for humans today. And like you realise as you get older, like no one's actually thinking about it. Have you ever just think about the spotlight effect? Is it no. spotlight? So basically essentially – what people are actually thinking about you and what you think they think about me is generally like one in a hundred. Yeah. And so you think that everyone's actually gives that what actually people think yeah. and care about you is, is zero yeah. compared to. I, I remember listening and I was a wee bit older and I went to a, a seminar and Brad Sugars, who owns Action International, was talking and he just said, What anyone else thinks of me is none of my business. And I didn't get it at the time, but now I do. Like, it's none of my business what people think of me. And, and like, I always met my Nana saying, hey, you know, treat people how you'd want to be treated and things would be okay. And I think for me, that's been, um, so if I was 20, if I could talk to my 21-year-old self, I'd say that, hey, just, mate, don't worry about what people think. You know, go and chase what you want um, and be clear about what you want, you know. And so so that would uh, put me in good stead. <clears throat> The cool thing is, I know it now, so you know, <laughs> you can you can go and do it. Hindsight's wonderful. I'd thing. love to be twenty one again, though. <laughs> so <laughs> would I. <laughs> um, okay, so if anyone's listening to this and likes to cut your jib and you know wants to have maybe have a chat about maybe how your business can help them, how do they yeah, get in touch? Yeah, yeah definitely. Look, I, I love talking to business owners. I love talking to people about uh, one where they can win and 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 how we could possibly help them, uh, or put them onto the right people that can. I think that's one of the cool things. I have extensive network of yep. people. That that uh, that I know a good a, you know right for, for the right people. I love hanging out on LinkedIn. For me, LinkedIn's a great place. So if you want to connect with me, uh, look at me up on LinkedIn. I'll be at Scott Wilson uh, 10x, I think it is, um, or come to our website getdigitalinfluence.com um, and and track us down that way. So yeah, easy to easy to get hold of. Always happy to have a conversation too. So perfect, Scott. Thanks so much for your time today. It's been fascinating just hearing about some of those trends on marketing and and your hospitality and, and some of those challenges those business owners are, are facing and uh, really look forward to continue, continue to see the success of your business and what you're all about. Yeah, man. Hey, thanks for being on the podcast. It's been great. I've listened to a few of your podcasts now. There's been some really good good guests. So hopefully added some value to your community as well. 100%. Thanks, Scott. Cheers. Have Cheers, fun. Mate. Bye-bye. Hi, Scott Wilson here again. Hey, thanks for listening to the Marketing for Business podcast. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to listen and we hope that you learned a lot from today's episode. Uh, if you could be so kind as to rate and share the podcast with your other business friends and colleagues, that'd be awesome. And if you'd like to listen to more episodes, why don't you head over to our website, www.getdigitalinfluence.com, uh, where we've got a whole bunch of other amazing interviews with business owners. Thanks for your time and have a great day.